0: morning to all of you. Morning. It is great to be here on this beautiful, sunshiny morning. And I agree with our brother, it's just good to see the sunshine in it. Yeah, if you're not familiar with it, that uh, glowing red ball that's in the sky, that's the sun. That's the sun. We haven't seen it in a while, but it's good to be able to see it today. It is so good to see all of you Uh, We had an opportunity to meet several of you before the service and I can tell you we just love you. You're our brothers and our sisters in Christ and uh, we look forward to uh, opportunities here that the Lord uh, may indeed develop uh, by the end of the service today. But it's so good to be here and to just bring the message God has put on my heart today. You know this uh, process of uh, going into a church, being considered uh, as the interim pastor. It's kind of a interesting experience. It's interesting for me and for Lisa. It's interesting for uh, the committee and the deacons as they go through this process. I mean, it's almost like courting. You know, it is. It's almost like that. And, and you, you think, okay, how do you get to know people? How do you go about this process and so forth? But here's the best way to do it. Just pray and then relax. And so helping us to do that today, let's do something to make all of us relax, okay? Here's what I want us to do. If you're happy to be here today, let me hear you say amen. 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 That sounds good. Now turn to someone beside of you and just give them a great big smile. Will you do that? Just give them a big smile. Yeah, that looks good. That looks real good. Now look up this way and give me a big smile, and I'm going to smile back, okay? All right, now, if anyone asks you after the service, how did things go at Starnes Cove today? Just say, well, everybody smiled and everybody said amen, so that's a pretty good service whenever that can happen, right? Well, take your Bibles, if you will, this morning, and turn with me into the New Testament to the Gospel of Matthew. Matthew chapter 8. Matthew chapter 8, we're going to look at verses 28 through 34. And I've entitled the message, When Jesus Shows Up. When Jesus Shows Up. And we'll read about it now in Matthew chapter 8, beginning at verse 28. And the scripture says, When he had come to the other side, to the country of the Gergesenes, There met him two demon-possessed men, coming out of the tombs, exceedingly fierce, so that no one could pass that way. And suddenly they cried out, saying, What have we to do with you, Jesus, you Son of God? Have you come here to torment us before the time? Now a good way off from them, there was a herd of many swine feeding. So the demons begged him, saying, If you cast us out, permit us to go away into the herd of swine. And he said to them, Go. So when they had gone, uh, had come out, they went into the herd of swine. And suddenly the whole herd of swine ran violently down the steep place into the sea and perished in the water. Then those who kept them fled. And they went away into the city and told everything, including what had happened to the demon-possessed men. And behold, the whole city came out to meet Jesus. And when they saw him, they begged him to depart from their region. Will you join me as we pray? Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. And I pray this morning that you will speak to us from your word. May the word that is written on the pages in front of us come alive in our hearts this morning. And Father, I pray that we will realize and recognize and respond to the presence of the Lord who is with us this day. If there are people who need to receive Christ, may that happen. For all of us as Christians, may we draw closer to you than we have ever been before. Do the work that you want to do in our lives now. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I heard about a church. They were having Sunday school before the worship service and there were two boys in this particular Sunday school class of six and seven-year-old boys, two young boys that out of the whole class that misbehaved. The teacher tried again and again to get those two boys under control uh, to no avail. So finally, in a last moment act of desperation, she removed both of them from the classroom and took them to the pastor's office to meet with the pastor. And so the pastor called one of those two boys into his office and left the other one standing out in the hall. The pastor has the young boy come in and take a seat and the pastor looks at this young seven-year-old and he says, son, can you tell me where is Jesus? The little boy just kind of looks at the pastor with wide eyes and, and then the pastor says, let me ask you again, where is Jesus? The little boy doesn't respond. And so the pastor says, well, it's obvious you're not going to say anything to me. Let's see if your buddy out in the hall has anything to say. So he sent his friend out. He sent this boy out in the hall to get his friend. And he walks outside the pastor's office and the two of them talk together. And his buddy says to him, well, how did things go in there with the pastor? And the young boy says, we are in a whole heap of trouble. Jesus is missing and they think we took him. (laughs) You know, I'm so glad when we come together as God's people that we don't have to look and wonder where Jesus is. He is here. He's present among us. And the scripture says that where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst of them. That's what Jesus himself said. And so I claim his presence here with us on this Lord's day. The passage of scripture that we're looking at this morning gives us clear indications of what happens whenever Jesus shows up in any given situation. In this particular passage of Scripture, He shows up on the other side of the Sea of Galilee that we don't hear very much about, the country of the Gergesenes. And when Jesus shows up there, some amazing things happen. And so I want to call to your attention from our text this morning three responses that are likely to happen whenever Jesus shows up. So let's look at them this morning. Three responses. First of all, when Jesus shows up, desperate needs are no longer concealed. When Jesus shows up, Desperate needs are no longer concealed. Now whenever Jesus, wherever Jesus went, human need was always made known. Let's look at how it happened in this passage. In verse 28, it says, When he came to the other side, to the country of the Gergesenes, there met him two demon-possessed men coming out of the tombs, exceedingly fierce, so that no one could pass that way. These two men had some desperate needs in their lives. And wherever Jesus went, those desperate needs in humanity, they were always revealed and brought to the surface. Desperate needs in these two men. Uh, First of all, we see that they were living in a cemetery. That's not a very good place to live, is it? Most of us don't choose to live in a cemetery. But these men, that's what, where they'd made their homes. The Bible says they came running out from the tombs. There's something wrong with someone who wants to live their life in a cemetery. And people who live their lives in a place like that, they have an unhealthy preoccupation with death. And that was true of these two men. And we're going to see more about that as the text unfolds before us today. But then also we see that these two men were unable to control themselves. The Bible says that they were exceedingly fierce. And the reason they couldn't control themselves is they were under Satan's control. They were demon-possessed men. Now, both of these men were in the same condition. And as long as one man compared himself to the other man, they looked the same. Both were demon-possessed. Both were living in a cemetery. Both were out of control. And so as long as they kept looking at one another and comparing themselves with one another, uh, nothing looked really all that bad to them. But when Jesus showed up, all of a sudden, their desperate needs could no longer be concealed. You know, sometimes we do the same thing, don't we? We compare ourselves to one another. And you ever notice that when we do that, we always try to compare ourselves with somebody that's not quite doing as well as we are? You know, if, if we think, oh, well, I need to, I need to lose a few pounds. We start comparing ourselves with somebody who's heavier than we are, don't we? Or, you know, I've been sick, but then we think about somebody else who's been in a worse kind of situation. You know, I heard about one man who was overweight, and he tried every kind of diet, and none of them worked. And so finally he found a solution to his weight problem, and he started hanging out with sumo wrestlers. And someone asked him, why did you choose those guys to be your friends? He said, well, it's like this. I always look smaller compared to them. <laughs> and that's the way it is in life. We have a way of comparing ourselves with one another to try to make ourselves look good. But when Jesus shows up, all of a sudden we can't hide our desperate situation any longer. It's suddenly revealed to us. You remember how that took place? In Simon Peter's life, remember the story of how Jesus was preaching a sermon and he used Simon Peter's boat for a pulpit. And then after he finished his sermon, he told Simon, he said, launch out into the deep for a catch of fish. Simon Peter was sort of reluctant to do it in the beginning, but nevertheless he obeyed the word of the Master and he let down his net and he pulled it back in and it was so full of fish that the net began to break and Simon Peter was just amazed that Jesus was able to allow this to happen and Peter fell on his knees before Jesus and he said, Depart from me, I'm a sinful man, O Lord. You know, there's something about seeing Jesus in His glory that all of a sudden allows us to see ourselves in the condition that we're really in. It happened that way with Isaiah and the temple, didn't it? In Isaiah chapter 6, the Bible says that Isaiah saw the Lord high and lifted up in the temple He saw the glory of the Lord revealed. He saw the seraphim flying around the throne of God proclaiming holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. And then all of a sudden after he sees the Lord, Isaiah sees himself and he says, Woe is me for I am undone. I am a man of unclean lips and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips." There's something about seeing and experiencing the presence of the Lord that causes us to not only see Him, but we then see ourselves as we really are in His light. When Jesus shows up and you see Him as He is, you can't help but to see yourself as you are. And if that's happening in your life today, rejoice and be thankful because a miracle is just around the corner in your life. When Jesus shows up, desperate needs are no longer concealed. But secondly, there's another response that's likely to happen when Jesus shows up. When Jesus shows up, demonic forces must yield. Now we see that in verse 29. It says, And suddenly these demon-possessed men, they cried out, saying, What have we to do with you, Jesus, you Son of God? Have you come here to torment us before the time? Right from the beginning, the demons inside of those Demon-possessed men knew who Jesus was. They knew that He was the Son of God. And it's amazing how, how they knew that. The Bible tells us in the book of James that even the devil believes and he trembles. Listen, the devil is not an atheist. He knows there's a God. And we need to know that there is a God. And these demons knew that and they knew that they were subject to the power and the authority of Jesus. And they knew that when Jesus said go, they would have no choice but to leave those men. And so they begged Jesus, they said, if you're going to cast us out, cast us into this herd of swine over here. Now Mark in his gospel He records this same uh, occurrence in the life of Jesus. And Mark says that the number of swine was 2,000. And so Jesus cast the demons out of the demon-possessed men and they went into the swine. And ladies and gentlemen, I believe that is the first reference to deviled ham recorded in human history. (laughs) Right there. In Matthew chapter 8. Now, there's a lesson that we need to learn at this point, and it's about the strategy of the devil. In John chapter 8 and verse number 44, Jesus says that the devil was a murderer from the beginning. And then in John chapter 10 and verse 10, he says that the devil came to steal to kill, and to destroy. Now the proof of that is in this very passage of Scripture. What did the pigs do when the demons entered inside of them? They ran over the edge of the cliff and drowned in the sea. I guess you could say they committed suicide. Okay? Okay. They took their own lives. Now, now what, what was going on here? Here were two demon-possessed men living in the tombs. They had an unhealthy preoccupation with death. That was because Satan was inside of them. Demons were inside of them. And the demons who came to kill, to steal, and to destroy, Satan was trying his best to get these two men to destroy themselves and to take their own lives. And when the demons were cast out into the pigs who had no will that they could control, the pigs just simply did the bidding of the demons and took their own lives by running over the edge of the cliff into the sea. I want to say to you this morning, if you don't know Jesus Christ, God has a wonderful plan for your life. He wants you to be saved. He wants you to have eternal life here and now. He wants you to go to heaven when you die. But if you don't know Jesus Christ, listen, the devil has a terrible plan for your life. He wants to ruin your life. He wants to destroy your life. He wants to take your life if you would allow him to do that. Don't let him do it. Let me say to you today, there is hope for you this morning. No matter how low you may feel, no matter how depressed you may be, no matter how much in despair your life is at this very moment, there is hope for you because the power of Jesus is greater than the power of the devil. And and Jesus can set you free. Satan has to submit to the authority of Jesus Christ, it reminds me, this passage reminds me of what happened in the story of the captain who was on the bridge of a large naval destroyer one dark and stormy night. And the captain looks out directly in front of him and he sees that he is on collision course with something that's in front of him. And so he radioed these instructions to the intruder. He says, Alter your course 10 degrees to the south. The reply came back Alter your course 10 degrees to the north. The captain snapped back Alter your course 10 degrees to the south. I am a captain. The reply came back, "'Alter your course ten degrees to the north. I am a seaman, second class.'" The furious captain then shouted, "'Alter your course ten degrees south. I am a battleship.'" And the reply came back over the radio, "'Alter your course ten degrees north. I am a lighthouse.'" And Jesus is the lighthouse. Jesus is immovable. And when Jesus says, change your course to Satan, he has to change his course. Even the demons must comply if you find yourself this morning in one of Satan's webs, if you have fallen victim to him in some area of your life, if you are involved in one of his satanic schemes, if you're in bondage to one of his strongholds, please know today that Jesus has come to set you free and you can walk out of this building this morning totally free in the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, when Jesus shows up, Demonic forces must yield. When Jesus shows up, desperate needs are no longer concealed. But there's a third response that I want you to see in the passage. When Jesus shows up, disturbing motives are revealed. Disturbing motives are revealed. Now look at verse 34. It says, And behold, the whole city came out to meet Jesus. And when they saw Him, they begged Him to depart from their region. You know, I wish that verse read differently, don't you? I wish that verse stopped about halfway through. And it says, And behold, the whole city came out to meet Jesus. I wish it stopped there. Or I wish it continued in this way. The whole city came out to meet Jesus and Jesus healed many people. Jesus changed many lives. Many people came to follow Christ. I wish that's what verse 34 said. But instead, it tells us the honest truth of what happened. The whole city came out to meet Jesus and it says, and when they saw Him... They begged Him to depart from the region. They literally begged Jesus to leave. You see, not everyone wants what Jesus has to offer, do they? Jesus messed up the business enterprises of these townspeople. They were the ones who had been raising the swine out there on the hillside. They were making a living from that. And Jesus hit them right where it hurts in the pocketbook. And the tragedy was these people cared more about swine than they did about souls. These people cared more about pigs who had drowned than about demon-possessed men that had been delivered. Now it's easy to see how their priorities got messed up, isn't it? But we see it all over the place in our world today, don't we? People whose priorities are all messed up. And that's what we expect from a lost world. We, we can't expect anything more than that from unbelievers. Do you ever find yourself reading bumper stickers? I do. Sometimes I wish I hadn't. <laughs> but But I... I sit under the stoplight waiting for it to change colors and and I read the bumper stickers that are in front of me. Not long ago, I was behind a vehicle and one of the bumper stickers said something like this. It it said, stop clear cutting, boycott Georgia Pacific. And I thought, okay, they're concerned about the environment, they're concerned about the trees, that's that's Okay. And then I saw another bumper sticker as so I continued to read, Save the Whales. You know, that's, that's good that they care about the whales. And then I saw another bumper sticker that was advocating abortion. And I thought, wait a minute. Wait a minute. This doesn't even make sense. Here's someone who cares about the trees They care about the whales. That's a good thing. But they don't care about the unborn baby that's inside of a mother's womb. You see, that's just an example of how messed up and how mixed up priorities get in a lost world. Without Jesus, our priorities are going to be everywhere and all over the place and and it's not even going to make sense. It's kind of like the woman who attended the Super Bowl and right beside of the place where she was sitting, there was an empty seat. That's unusual for the Super Bowl because it's always a sellout. But there's an empty place beside of this woman. About halfway through the game, the man sitting beside of her just leaned forward and said, Ma'am, Uh, I don't mean to intrude, but I've just got to ask. Curiosity has the best of me. There's an empty seat beside of you and we're here at the Super Bowl. Uh, How can you explain an empty seat? And the woman replied and she said, Oh, that was supposed to be my husband's seat, but he died. And then... The man continued the conversation and he says, Oh, I'm so sorry to hear that. But I'm surprised that you didn't invite another relative or a friend or someone. I'm sure someone would have jumped at the chance to have the seat that was reserved for him. And the lady said, Yeah, I invited all of them to come, but they all insisted on attending the funeral today (laughs) instead of the Super Bowl. We can get our priorities all messed up without Jesus, can't we? And the things that we think are important aren't really important at all in the grand scheme of things. And the things that should be important don't even make our radar screen if we don't know Jesus Christ. You see, Satan had these people believing that raising pigs was more important than redeeming people. And without Jesus, we don't really know what is really important at all. Satan wants us to think that. The truth is, these people in this passage of Scripture who did not know Christ, the people in the town, needed Jesus just as much as the demon-possessed men needed Jesus. And yet they turned Him away. And they said no to the Lord Jesus Christ. So I want to ask you this question today. What if Jesus came to your house. What if He knocked at your door? And if you don't know Christ, He is knocking at the door of your heart this morning. What will you do with Jesus? Will you open up your life and let Him come in? Will you let Him change you? Will you let Him give you a brand new beginning? Oh, that's what He wants to do today. That's what He desires to do. Jesus is here. And He wants to do a great work in you this morning. I'm going to ask that we bow together in prayer. We're going to prepare for a song of invitation. And uh, Pastor William is going to come to be here at the front to uh, help in this time of invitation. But I I want to invite you to just respond to the Lord today as He would lead you. If you need to receive Christ, we invite you to come. If you need to rededicate your life, please come. If you want to just come and kneel here for a time of prayer, we invite you to come today. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, as we prepare now for this time of invitation, I pray that you would help us, Lord, to realize that Jesus has shown up here this morning. He is present in power and in glory. And when we see Him then and only then can we see ourselves like we really are. And if, there's, if there are people here today who see themselves lost without Jesus Christ, oh God, help them to not turn Jesus away, but help them to open up their hearts and invite Jesus to come in and to be their Lord and Savior. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Let's all stand together this morning and as we sing the song of invitation, we invite you to come and respond to the Lord as He would lead you to do so now.